The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Talk station, I am Ben Burnett. America is the greatest place for all the right reasons. And sometimes America is the greatest place in the world for all the wrong reasons. You guys have seen about midway through 2023. Funny Willis decided she wanted to join the national stage of people who wanted to prosecute Donald Trump alongside a Manhattan district attorney, the FBI, and the Department of Justice. He's indicted everywhere over all sorts of election conspiracies. But this week, Fulton County has taken a turn. And I think this is going to be really fun to watch. I love when people do things strictly out of political expedience, fortune, raise name ID, We all know that there are questions that have surrounded for years. The 2020 counting of ballots in Fulton County. In fact, at certain points, Funny Willis on her own social media said, these elections folks need to get down to State Farm Arena and see what's going on. Well, then some years later, turns out she sees an opportunity to grow her name, grow her profile, and she wants to get in on the action. I love it. I say it all the time. I feel, hell, I feel like I say it every week. If you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, it is when, it is not if, and it never will be. And I love that about karma in general. Plenty of people are like, oh, I don't believe in karma. Look, if you eventually go after somebody for some felonious activities and your side of the street's not ultimately clean, it's going to come out. Which brings us to the present day. We thought Funny Willis was on the up and up, even though she was politically expedient. We were like, well, I mean, she's got to sit there and prosecute a case that we don't necessarily like or agree with or whatever, but she's going to have her day and she's going to have her time. And then she hires a special prosecutor outside of the purview of the Fulton County Commission, which did not allocate the dollars and cents to it. And it comes out that special prosecutor Nathan Wade, an attorney appointed by Funny Willis, was having a relationship with Funny Willis. And the days of Funny Willis and her ideology, they went out the window as fast as they came in. Because the special prosecutor, Nathan Wade, who is going through a divorce, had his wife and her attorney subpoena Funny Willis and Wade and alleges that they engaged in a romantic relationship while Wade was married. You can go to any numerous sources online and find that filing. But I think it puts Funny Willis in a real spot. For a couple of reasons. Look, you've heard me say it all over time. He who wears the white hat shows the dirt the fastest. I think that is the wrong. I do not like when politicians get all up in arms about how high and mighty and and righteous that they are. Because ultimately, they're people who have not necessarily done a lot of things well. The first time you get some notoriety, your life kind of changes a little bit. And you're not necessarily ready to deal with all that. I'm not going to disparage Funny Willis. I'm not going to disparage what has gone on. It's plenty of people. However, when it is plenty of people, not all of them hire their lover, illicit lover with taxpayer-funded resources. And for that, and that sin is unforgivable in the eyes of the public. 
in the United States of America, black and white, doesn't matter. So when she went after Donald Trump, she should have known that everything on her side of the street needed to be squeaky clean because the conservative talking points and the conservative media were going to come after her with both barrels because that's what they do and that's how the media treats each other. That's how they treat public servants. If you're a left-leaning media outlet, you're digging for dirt on those on the right. If you're a right-leaning media outlet, you are digging for dirt for those on the left. In this case, it was neither. It happened to come out in depositions that Funny Willis was messing around with the special prosecutor who was allegedly married, and I cannot wait for the depositions to come out, for the accusations to come to light, for this, for this civil divorce trial. I think it's going to be incredibly interesting. I love to see people that do the wrong thing burn to the ground. That's not partisan. That's just how I'm wired. I love the misfortune of people who do things strictly out of political expedience to have their day and to see all kinds of adversity because hell hath no fury like the fury of a scorned woman. In this case, that scorned woman is Jocelyn Mayfield Wade, who has filed for divorce. And the Washington Post reported earlier this week, January 9th, that Funny Willis has been subpoenaed by this gentleman's soon-to-be estranged, if not ex-wife, and there is nowhere for her to run, and she is going to have the four corners of the universe looking down on her. Look, I was on the Wall Street Journal Wednesday afternoon. The first article you see, you you couldn't even read anything else, was Funny Willis and these allegations. How on earth does this not play with a jury trial? How on earth does this not affect the people like David Schaefer, Sean Still, How do they have the opportunity to look? Look, the judicial branch, the Department of Justice, or locally, your DA's office is supposed to be nonpartisan, even though we know that's not true. How are we supposed to trust a DA's office who is using taxpayer-funded resources to hire someone that they are having a relationship with to go after Donald Trump? Maybe Let's just assume for two seconds that Donald Trump and all the associates, the 17 or 19 people that haven't pled guilty, Let's assume for two seconds that they are guilty. Well, how does that look in the eyes of a jury? It's horrible. It's everything about government corruption that exists in 2024. It wasn't an if. It was a when. I don't know what these people were ultimately going to find. I don't know what was out there. To be honest with you, I do know Funny Willis. I don't know her like... I don't know her like the special prosecutor, but I've met I've met her. When I sat in elected office, she came around soliciting votes, and there were a lot of us who sat in elected office and looked at her body of work when she was an assistant district attorney. Look, she has a great career of prosecuting crimes against kids. She has a great career of prosecuting do- domestic disputes, gang-related activities. Like, she's not bad at her job. But eventually, if you get the chance to find the limelight, What are you going to do with it? Because it's going to reveal absolutely everything. And her character then was her character now. I don't want those people in DA's office. If this was a bunch of Republicans prosecuting a Democrat over the same thing, I would feel the exact same way. And I bet most of you would too. But Donald Trump has had a very good week. And all of his associates that are involved in this Fulton County court case, they're having really good weeks too. But now all of them get to talk about the felonious activities and the misgivings of a corrupt prosecutor who is spending taxpayer-funded resources on somebody that she, was, that she clearly had feelings for. And to me, 
Like, just separate that. If you want to go do that on your own time, with your own resources, with your own money, it doesn't make me or break me. I don't care. But if you're going to do that, I live in Fulton County. You're going to pay this guy hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then it comes out that you've got some sort of relationship with him. Man, I got huge issues with that. And all of you do, too. Funny Willis is about to embark on the trial that will have national coverage, and he sh- and she has shot herself in the foot before it even got off the ground. And candidly, I think it is a complete waste of time. Look, if you want to go after Donald Trump on the fact that he took classified documents, I, I don't think that Donald Trump is going to be found innocent on, on the classified documents case. Hear me out. I don't, because you either took them or you didn't. We already know he took them, so that case to me is open and shut. But when you start indicting and going after former presidents locally over stuff, like, yeah, technically, I guess you've got the power, but is that the right thing to do for the future of this country? It just further fans the flames that the Democrats will do anything to keep this man entirely off the ballot. And for that, I have a fundamental problem with it. They just want to tar and feather the man and his character. And look, I don't think any of us think that the guy's character is impeccable. Whether or not I feel like he's the right fit for the future of this country is an entirely different story. But those are not the same things. I'm not letting the man babysit my kids. I'm not saying he's got a mountain of integrity. But I am saying when you indict who is going to be the foreseeable frontrunner in a party, it sends a message to absolutely everybody. And that's not the country I want to live in either way. Funny Willis has huge problems, and Donald Trump has been the biggest problem that she is going to face until she committed a truly unforced error. That's what you guys need to know. The standards that exist for attorneys are higher in the vocation than the standards that exist for me and you if I'm a conservative talk show host. They are. The bar, the bar associations all across the country say they are. If you are a district attorney, you have to be beyond reproach and then some. It's not just, are you going to wake up? You're going to go to work. You're going to do the right thing. You have to be far and wide beyond a conflict of interest. And coming off Funny Willis's decision to sit there and fundraise for Charlie Bailey while she was looking at indicting now Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, man, this girl is all wrong for the job. And she matters. And she has shown you that she will ultimately be willing to take your rights away if it is in the best interest of her political career moving forward. I don't know how Funny Willis is going to survive this. I think that the state, I think the state of Georgia is going to have several ethics hearings and complaints about her. I mean, this is going to get really bad for her. But to be honest with you, it's her own damn fault. You can catch the Ben Burnett Show on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. Thursdays, I do my thought in one take. This past week, we talked about Bill Ackman, the hedge fund manager from New York, who is adamantly defending the integrity and the hiring practices of Ivy League education. We go into who he is. We go into what he's advocating for and how the media is making him sound like he's really conservative. But in fact, he's a registered Democrat. He just refuses to fall in line. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at the Ben Burnett Show where I cast reels constantly, tell you what's going on, what's coming up on the show. We have a lot of fun. Honestly, we have more fun than absolutely anybody. We keep conservative talk and ideas front and center, but we keep things light and we show you the other side. We don't just have conversations. We unpack the arguments. 
Coming up in the next segment, we've got my good friend Don Bolia. Don Bolia is the principal at Petrie Government Relations. That is the state of Georgia's most powerful lobbying firm. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. We will be right back. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. My name is Ben Burnett. Joining me for this segment is Georgia's most powerful lobbyist, Don Bolia. Don, welcome to the show. Ben, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. You have seen a lot of things happen and transpire in the last 6 to 12 months since the Georgia General Assembly got out of session You've seen the Georgia legislature get sued over maps that are allegedly discriminatory against people of color or districts that represent people of color. And you have seen them go back into a special session, redraw some maps, second verse, same as the first. Or you think that these ones are actually going to hold up and Brian, Governor Brian Kemp and Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones have threaded the needle the right way. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I think they handled the entire process quite brilliantly. Uh, so they're still litigating the original lawsuit. Uh, but in the meantime, as a, as a measure, they held a special session and they drew new maps. The judge was very prescriptive. Remember, this was an Obama-appointed judge, was very prescriptive in what kind of maps they had to draw. So he had specific numbers they had to get to. And they did a very good job of essentially protecting Republicans, which has been proven through the Supreme Court, that that's legal. You can gerrymander for partisan purposes. But then they drew additional minority-majority districts. So it was quite brilliant the way they did it, and uh, the uh, Obama-appointed judge actually approved the new maps. Now, would they be happier with the new maps just to stick their finger in the eye, or are they going to just they going to hope that they, the original maps hold, hold the test of time after the appeals process is done? Well, for the purposes of this 2024 election— no one can really redraw maps. Uh, if you think about it, uh, qualifying begins in March. Uh, the primaries are in May, and of course the elections are in November. So it's really impossible for you to run on anything but the current maps. And so I think they're going to see how it goes. There are some people who believe the maps are actually more beneficial than the maps they drew in 2021 for the 2022 elections. So it's very possible that they may actually improve their position as far as numbers, the, the, the general wisdom is the Senate will stay the same. There are some people who believe there are one or two additional House seats that could flip to the Republicans. 
uh, it could very well be that they lose a few seats. So I think they're going to see how it goes in the 24 cycle. I don't think there's anyone who thinks the 24 cycle will flip the General Assembly from Republican control to Democrat control. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that this is just what we do as Americans every 10 year every 10 years in competitive states is just sue people over maps, hope you pick up a couple of seats. It frustrates me. As a guy who thinks that Governor Kemp and the legislature really do a good job of seeking middle ground a lot with the Democrats. Don't get me wrong. I think they ostracize them when they absolutely have to over some of the really hyper-partisan issues. But I think most of the time, you see Democrats get bills through the legislature in Georgia all the time, probably every single day. Well, it's interesting. The, the most egregious maps, in fact, here's something interesting. Since the 1965 Civil Rights Act was passed, uh, many states, via litigation and other reasons, were under uh, federal control of the maps. In other words, they would pass their maps if they had to pass a federal uh, test, and the federal government, the Justice Department, had to review the maps and approve them. So if you think about it, since 1965, there have been five official redistrictings. So you'd have uh, 1970, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2010, and 2020. In all of those cases, if you think about this, it's amazing. Democrats controlled a majority of those maps. They controlled 70, 80, 90, 2000. The Republicans drew it in 2010 and obviously in 2020. In all of those cases, the only maps that have been absolutely overturned are the ones drawn by Democrats. In fact, the most egregious one was a map drawn in 2001 when Roy Barnes was governor. And those were absolutely thrown out. In fact, it ended up being a three-judge panel that drew the maps that ultimately gave the Republicans the majority they had. After the 2002 cycle, they won the Senate. In 2004 cycle, they won the House. So it's interesting that the Justice Department, which generally tends to, our, our career attorneys that tend to lean liberal, uh, approved almost every Republican map, and ultimately this one, they, there was a judge that approved it, but the Justice Department didn't approve four previous Democrat-drawn maps. As you look into the 2024 legislative cycle in the state of Georgia, what are some of the key issues that you think affect average people the most? The budget. The budget is the most important thing that we're going to be looking at. Um, the, 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 the state of Georgia is in a really good spot from a budget standpoint. There's $6 billion in the rainy day fund, and there's an excess of $6 billion they get to spend on other stuff. And the biggest thing and the most expensive line item is going to be a tax cut. So your income taxes will go down. Uh, I think that's baked in. I don't think there's any way that's not going to happen. So I think you're going to see in this budget process another tax cut to the tune of a billion dollars. That's on top of the billion dollars you saw in the last cycle, last um, general assembly cycle, and a billion dollars you saw before that. So this is $3 billion in permanent cuts over the last three years. So that, those, those are real numbers. When you look, I know Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones ran for office on eliminating the state income tax. I understand that there are politics that go into everything, and that is great politics. Is it theoretically possible in the state of Georgia, given the growth we've seen, for the state income tax to ultimately go away, or is that still just good politicians making good promises? 
I mean, it's theoretically possible, but it's very, very difficult. And, and the problem is that we have border states, Tennessee and Florida, that have zero income taxes. And North Carolina, it's closer to 3%, I believe. So we're, we're competing against these folks for, for employees, for companies to move here, and it all does factor in. Uh, the problem is, is that, you know, I compare our tax code to making chili or making spaghetti sauce. You know, when you start off that process, you kind of start the same. You've got the beef, you've got the tomatoes, you've got some of the same ingredients. But once you make the decision to make chili or to make spaghetti, it's really hard to go back into one or the other. And that's where our tax code is. And the problem is, is that our income taxes generate such a large proportion. Our sales tax would have to go up. The other thing is that by having a blended tax structure, we really have better revenue uh, uh, um, expectations. So in, in a down economy, you might see sales tax revenue go down, but generally income taxes will stay stable for some time until unemployment gets very, very high. And so you have a much more stable blended, and it would be no different than when, when you're investing in your 401k. You don't tell your invest your, uh, your, your broker or your investment advisor, I want to do 100% Bitcoin. You say, let's blend this thing out. Let's do some safe stuff and let's do some stuff that's a little risky. And so that's what the tax code is. I've heard it talk. I was on the radio and some other stations earlier this week talking. Gambling comes up in the state of Georgia all the time. I won't say it falls further and further behind because I'm not much of a gambler. I know you love to gamble. I know I know you'd sit there and probably push the bill for free. What is the thought process going into that this go around? And are they going to, have to be able to find enough support to bring a constitutional amendment together? You know, I think the conventional wisdom is it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, you know, there's so many states that allow sports betting. We're one of the few states. And quite frankly, creating a geofence around Georgia that doesn't allow you to sports bet just really creates uh, an incentive for folks to open accounts in other states or travel or whatnot. And the numbers aren't compelling from a revenue standpoint. So if you did full casino gambling, gambling I've heard anywhere from 300 to $400 million in additional revenue, which sounds like a lot, except when you consider the state budget is hovering around 33 34 billion just from state revenue not counting federal revenue so it doesn't necessarily move the needle but it could move the needle on specific things sports gambling i've heard anywhere from 60 to 100 million dollars in new revenue in the state at the end of the day i think we do have to consider that people are doing it anyway uh we do allow a form of gambling in the lottery so it's not like we're a non-gambling state and I do think that all the polls shows that if it were ever to go on the ballot, it would pass overwhelmingly. So I do think there's some momentum for sports gambling. You do see the Braves, the Hawks, the Falcons, all the major sports folks understand that it's the key to keeping eyes glued to those screens. I saw an email today that said, if I know any state legislators that are actively pushing casino gaming or sports gaming, please send them to 680 The Fan because they want to talk about it and put the issue out there because of the tens of thousands of people that are listening to that station every single second, plenty of them would love to go bet against the Falcons. Absolutely. When you look, what other, what are some of the hyper-partisan issues that you think are going to be coming down the pike this year? Obviously school choice has seen a pass a time or two. I actually think that this is probably the year where they pass some version of a school choice bill. Governor Brian Kemp has been very supportive of it. You don't see him come out of the ivory tower a lot at the last minute to try to negotiate and get a deal done, and you saw that the last time through, which means 
there are probably some people, if they vote against it this time, are going to wind up on the naughty list. What do you think that bill looks like, ultimately, from our good friend in Forsyth County, Senator Greg Dolezal? So uh, Senator, Senator Dolezal is a great friend, and he's very a very thoughtful legislator, and I think he's really thought through this process very well. The problem for the folks that are pro-voucher is the math. The math is tough when you think about a lot of Republican legislators live in rural parts of the states, and there are just no private schools to go to, or very few. And so the options are so limited that they don't get the benefit of it, and they like their school districts. You know, if you look and you go to rural Georgia, they're the beneficiary of what we call the five mil share. And what happens is every county or every school district contributes five mils of all their property taxes to the state, and the state redistributes it to the districts that need it most, which is fair. You do want to have a very fair system of education. Someone in uh, one part of the state should be getting as close an education as they can to another part, and that's the right thing to do. Uh, but if you're in rural Georgia, you might see your, your, um, your school property taxes at 14 mils. If you live in DeKalb County, it's 23 or 24 mils. So it's a big difference. They get to keep low property taxes. Uh, they don't have this option of going to private schools because they don't exist in many of these rural systems. So what's the benefit if I'm a Republican legislator when I have a system, a school district that you like, that you like the superintendent, you like the teachers? Uh, they may be your biggest employer, by the way. So the, the math is tough for the vouchers to get done this year. So ultimately, you're, if you're a betting man, you're saying that the school choice bill and the voucher bill that Senator Dolezal's put forward in, subsequent, or in previous years probably still doesn't have much of a shot? I think it's, uh, in particularly in the House, I think it's going to be a very difficult road to hoe when you consider the math of rural legislators, several of which who've voted against it previously and have indicated they, they continue to plan to vote against it. I hear a lot from our friends over at the Georgia Chamber that they want to attack workforce housing, but they want to be able to put forward a different set of standards for building materials in certain municipalities, all in the name of, look, we've got all these automobile manufacturers coming to South Georgia. We need these people to have somewhere that's affordable to work. To me, having, being somebody who's set in locally elected office, the thought of the General Assembly getting involved in anything that has to do with design standards to nice communities, and if you were in the extra 106.3 listening audience, I hate to break it to you, you are the nice communities that the General, that the general Assembly is targeting. So be careful, because everything you see in the Hallmark lights and on the billboards, all that glitters isn't gold. What do you think is coming forward with a affordable housing type of bill? And I think you're exactly right from the standpoint that, you know, going about it using design standards as a way to get to affordable housing is a ruse. If you look at all the design standards you could mandate or take away from local governments from the standpoint of, let's say they ban vinyl siding, that's not going to move the needle on a home. All, if you, literally all those design standards at most might move 5% of the cost of a home. It's land acquisition. It's the cost of borrowing the money. All those things are barriers. It's the down payment, that first down, pay, you know, the down payment you have to make. All those things are real barriers. So the solution really comes in a, a couple of forms. One, you have to encourage the market to build more. Atlanta this year, in the last census count, actually saw their homeless population drop 21%. And that's directly related to the ability for people to get affordable housing. 
versus the West Coast where you see LA, Seattle, San Francisco, out of control homelessness. It's because they don't have good housing stock available. We do, generally speaking, compared to other markets. So design standards aren't gonna move the needle. The things that could move the needle are helping people get that down payment. Let's look at other things like squatters. It's a real problem. In homes that are available for rent, they're taking up to 5% of all the product off the market. They're bringing crime into your neighborhoods. It's very, very difficult to remove these squatters, and I'm sure you've seen many, many articles about it. So if the General Assembly wants to attack the issue, I think you can immediately free up 4 to 5% of all the housing stock that squatters are in and put that back on the, on, the, on the open market. That alone will move the needle. I'm grateful for every penny that I get to save when you look at the income tax reduction. As I drive down Georgia 400 and I look at the state routes and I pay attention to this, like I said, as somebody who's set in local government, you know what people in nice places don't like doing? Buying tires because they had to run over a pothole for the 15th time. And for consecutive years in a row, I have put new tires on my vehicle. Do I care about saving one-tenth of 1% on my state income taxes? Or do I want to not have to buy $1,500 worth of new tires? And it is known that Georgia underfunds its infrastructure because candidly, most places in America have no choice but to underfund infrastructure because there's only a finite amount of capital. Something is getting left off. If I had a criticism of the Kemp administration, and I cannot say that I have, I mean, I'm reaching when I say that I'm looking for a criticism of an administration, I believe the man would own that one. Do you ultimately think that infrastructure in the state of Georgia beyond the port, the nuts and bolts of government, do you think that that comes front and center with his budget as some of these municipalities have seen 40% increases in asphalt over three or four years? Because the quality is not there. And not all of that is any one person's fault. But what do you think they plan to do to address infrastructure needs? That's a great, great question and great point. Uh, I do think, and recently I think you heard Russell McMurray, the the DOT commissioner say that there's $91 billion in needs. It's a huge number. And even if you took every dollar in your surplus, you would need that for about 20 years. Absolutely. So the governor this week during the eggs and issues breakfast, the chamber sponsors every year, announced some additional dollars for infrastructure and specifically in LMIG money, which is local grant money, which is great because jurisdictions can pull down this LMIG money and use it for almost anything they want. It goes straight to local cities and counties. That's a great source of money. So he announced, uh, I believe it was a doubling of the LMIG money. He also announced that all of the dollars that he took uh, took away from GDOT when he did the tax cut or removed the, the excise tax on, on gasoline, he would make up for in and this he has. cycle. Yeah. So I, I think it is a priority. I think it's going to have to continue to be a priority. I think ultimately what we're really going to have to answer is what do we do when EVs, electric vehicles, constitute a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 percent of the vehicles on the road? And in, in, in Metro Atlanta, that is 100. In the next two decades, that will happen. And we do have to decide how we're going to tax that. Now, I own an electric vehicle. I pay over $200 a year in a tag tax that most ICE vehicles, uh, in internal combustion engine vehicles, don't have to pay. And that's generally going to equal what you pay in excise taxes over the course of a year. Believe it or not, you probably only pay about $150 a year in excise taxes if you drive about 12,000 miles a year. That being said, uh, with the infrastructure needs, I think we'll have to look at how we tax electric vehicles. I think we'll have to look at how we tax 
even the, the, the existing ICE vehicles and, and re, rethink how all that works because at some point we're going to have to pay a big bill. So you are a student of the game in the meritocracy of federalism around the United States of America. If Georgia had the opportunity to plagiarize ideas that another state was doing or has done, what do you see that's been done in some conservative-leaning states over the course of the last year that you're like, man, we ought to bring something like this front and center here? You've heard about, obviously we've talked about Obamacare, and you've t- we, we know that Georgia is one of the states that never had full expansion of Medicaid. And there were a lot of reasons for that, and I think the reasons were solid fiscal governance. But that being said, I think that what Arkansas did was absolutely brilliant. And I think they're looking at the Arkansas model, as they call it. Basically, it's an expansion, but we're allowing the private sector to be involved. Instead of selling products from the government, we're allowing the private sector to use those dollars to sell directly to policy hold. So the Arkansas model basically has an expansion, but it's just using the private sector to make it work versus a government solution. So I think that's one of the things that we're going to see the General Assembly take a serious look at. They call it the Arkansas model. I give Governor Sanders a lot of credit for being willing to take arrows and bullets every single day as the press secretary for former President Donald Trump and maybe subsequent President Donald Trump But if there was one thing that she learned there that she had the opportunity to come back and implement was that she's got to see the way that all bad decisions, even the ones on our side, had the opportunity to make. And I think the way that she threaded the needle, and I still don't love it. I don't like that it's the law of the land. Me laying down and being saying I agree with you is me fundamentally dying inside just a little bit. It's like accepting COVID dollars as a municipality. I was like, in a couple of years, this is going to make it worse. As you look and you unpack what's out there, you know, we've talked about renewable energy and we've talked about Georgia's commitment to being the buckle of the battery belt, as my friend Chris Clark loves to say. See, we say bad things about affordable housing and then we'll, we'll, we'll prop him up a little bit and say some nice things. What do you see as Georgia has made such a strategic investment in this industry in a right to work state, which I think is a massive good decision by several administrations including Roy Barnes, all the way back, both sides of the aisle. You think Georgia is as well-positioned as anybody on the East Coast as a right-to-work state, with the exceptions of our friends in Florida, probably. But what do you see around renewable energy that's taking place? Because you're seeing states out West that are conservatively led, realizing that they have an abundance of resources of solar and wind. And granted, we don't have all of that. Do you think that Georgia continues down the path that it has gone on with Solar, do you think that there's another industry or another way that they're going to try to unpack and steal business away from California and the West Coast and the Northeast and show you there's a better way to do it? Absolutely. And, and I think you'll be surprised to learn how progressive and how aggressive the Public Service Commission has been on alternative energy and renewable energies. Uh, you know, I think what California has done wrong is do these false mandates of requiring X percent of renewable energy from their, from their energy providers. And what's happened is, is that they have rolling blackouts and other issues. They end up buying really dirty energy from neighboring states. 
Most people are, will be shocked to learn that I believe Georgia Power only has one last coal burning plant, and it's due to close soon. So we'll be Georgia Power will have no coal burning plants. Where I will fault, fault, fault Georgia Power is that they are they fought pretty hard to limit the net metering program. If you know what that is, that means if you put up solar panels on your house and you've got batteries, uh, you can enter a program. Uh, and they limited it to 5,000, and you can sell the energy, excess energy, back to Georgia Power. Georgia Power has fought to keep that program small. In fact, it's closed out. I was one of the last few people. I have, a, I have solar panels, and I have backup batteries. I'm one of the few people in the net metering program. Members of the Public Service Commission, including Tim Equals and, and Bubba McDonald and others, have pushed hard to expand that to 250, maybe 500,000 people. That's the way we get there. Well, Don Bollier, it has been a pleasure to have you. Coming up on the next segment, we are going to talk about hedge fund billionaire Bill Ackman and his axe to grind after MIT and Business Insider went after his wife with both barrels. This is Extra 1063 Atlanta's All Conservative Talk Station. We will be right back. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's only conservative talk station. And lots of events transpired towards the end of the week, didn't they? We've got all sorts of things that we've gotten into. Bill Ackman, activist. Apparently now he's an activist, whether he wanted to be or not. He's a hedge fund billionaire based in New York City. He's got a net worth between 3 and $4 billion dollars. And his wife, Neri Oxman, is a graduate from the doctoral program at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. It is rumored that somebody behind the scenes at MIT leaked parts of her dissertation to Business Insider that were incorrectly formatted or cited. I'm going to be the first person to tell you, I don't live in academia. I never, I won't say never. I probably will never live inside of academia, but I know those people from high school and college and my master's program. If you cite sources, it better be right. I also think that there can be mistakes that get made, but look, it's the letter of the law. In academia, you do it a certain way. This is how we do things. This is not how we do things, apparently. And Bill Ackman has been front and center over the firing of the Pennsylvania Ivy League School president, and even more so Claudine Gay, the Harvard president, over the fact that they would not condemn the actions and protests that took place on their campus. They would not call the Palestinian protesters hate speech. You know, and there were some vile things. They wouldn't condemn Hamas. Things that Ivy League educators should 100% know. I think everybody ought to know better. 
Who knows? Like, we are where we are. I want to say a couple of things. You very rarely see people that don't know each other just come out of the woodwork to defend somebody. You've seen Dave Portnoy, a guy, you know, I can take or leave. I appreciate what he does. Come out and talk about how ruthless Business Insider was to him, how unscrupulous they were, how some of the First Amendment laws with freedom of the press are probably a little too far-reaching, that they may give alleged journalists a little bit too much protection to just write whatever they want to write and then come back later and be like, oh, we're sorry, we didn't mean that or we did this wrong. Well, well, they can ruin somebody's reputation. So Bill Ackman's putting his money where his mouth is with the higher-ups at MIT, and he said, I am going to utilize my own time, energy, effort, and my team to look into the ivory tower at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I think what they're doing to my wife is wrong. And to be honest with you, I do too. Look, there's, there's certain rules and codes of conduct in the mafia or in war or whatever. Family's off limits. If, if I sit in the arena and you come after my family, you know, that by and large is out of bounds. And that is known. But the gloves have come off in that industry in the industry of higher education when they want them to. And you see it around politics too. Let's not kid ourselves. There's a lot of things about 2024 that are worse than they used to be 20 years ago. There was a certain decorum. It's not that I don't expect the media to be left-leaning. I do expect the media to be left-leaning. But I expect the media to stick to the facts and figures of the people who are in the arena. And sure, it's easy to say that Bill Ackman's wife's Neri Oxman's side of the street wasn't entirely clean. It was also a point that they could have made in a thousand other ways. And there's no getting around that. And so I'm excited to see how much money this man actually spends and who at MIT is ultimately going to fall. Because I can tell you, if you've got a net worth between three or four billion dollars and you have quite a following on social media, you can make some people's lives really, really hard. But it's also, we talked about it on My Thought in One Take this week. If you want to go to war with the media... Just be cognizant of the fact that they write with 55-gallon drums of ink. I'm not telling you not to go to war with them. I'm telling you that they have a breadth and a following that is far-reaching beyond anything you can really generate on your own unless you get there. Not telling you not to fight them, not telling you not to do the right thing, not telling you not to stick up for yourself and the people that you care about. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you want to wade into a conflict with an entity like that, just have your eyes wide open. In other political news this week, we saw former governor of the state of New Jersey, Chris Christie, announce that he is no longer seeking the presidential nomination. I like Governor Christie. I think Governor Christie has a lot of the answers that, to the future of this country, and I'll tell you one reason why. He's able to win a state that is blue. I don't know that President Donald Trump or former President Donald Trump has the ability to win states that aren't marginally left-leaning. New Jersey is not marginally left-leaning. New Jersey is left-leaning by anybody's accounts. You look at the people who come from there, Cory Booker, way left-leaning, Bob Menendez, way left-leaning, and that dude has no business being in the United States Senate in 2024. I don't know why the Democrats won't force him out other than the fact that they only like to force out Republicans, all while we continue to bend the knee, even though I think that George Santos is a heaping pile of garbage. But I digress. I'm grateful for Chris Christie. Instead of tarring and feathering anybody that you don't agree with, I would encourage you to look at it this way. If you were in the Republican primary, there's value to all of them, even Asa Hutchinson, who can't win. There will be things that he has done in the state of Arkansas that we could take and utilize for the future of this country. All of them. 
even Nikki Haley. I know she is not the preferred candidate of most people who listen to this station. I understand that. I understand why. I get that there's a lot of corporate money out there that backs her. You guys think she's a member of the Uniparty? Look, the Donald Trump presidency would be better with her as the vice president than it would be almost anybody else. You can blame her for being a politically motivated politician. That's fine. Everybody running for president is a motivated politician, and you only get so many swings at that. And I think that Governor Christie ought to take the opportunity to actually be helpful to the Republican Party moving forward. I think taking shots at Donald Trump served a purpose. I think putting things out there made a ton of sense. I've appreciated when he's gone on Clay and Buck and been, win- and been willing to fight with Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton ad nauseum over why he dislikes President Trump. I think we all know all the reasons and there are no more secrets anymore. And I look forward to watching Chris Christie kind of be quiet because the worst thing that that dude can do is sit there and continue to point criticisms because he's going to look like a bitter scorned woman. And on our sister station this week, 680 The Fan, there was huge news in the realm of college football. And to be honest with you, I knew it was a win I didn't know it was an if. A lot of you guys know I live for about 10 years in Birmingham, Alabama. I have watched the University of Alabama be absolutely terrible at football. I remember when they lost to Northern Illinois and Louisiana Monroe in back-to-back weeks. And I watched them look past the Mike Price conversation, the Don Shula era, and then I watched Nick Saban come into town. The economic impact that that guy had off the football field to the University of Alabama had to be well in excess of a billion dollars. I know a lot of people here are really, really excited to see Nick Saban go. It made me sad. There were so many great days that I have had watching Alabama football. I got to watch how much it meant to those people, much like the Georgia fans are enjoying right now with Kirby Smart. And when Alabama won in the SEC championship against Georgia, I thought to myself, I wonder if I'm enjoying it like I'm enjoying it because this is really it. And when he lost in overtime to the University of Michigan in the Rose Bowl, the really probably the most competitive game of the entire playoffs, I thought, I know he's unhappy with college football. There's been a lot of people around the station that know he's unhappy with college football. I wish him nothing but the best. Georgia fans, I will sit here and tell you this. If Kirby Smart keeps on the trajectory, I mean, you guys are going to have the best two decades that you will ever have in your lifetime, and they will be the kinds of days that you tell your grandchildren about because nothing lasts forever, and ultimately one day people move on, they get tired of it, somebody makes them mad, something comes out in the wash, whatever. Georgia fans, I hope you enjoy the next two decades as much as I have enjoyed the last decade and a half. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram at The Ben Burnett Show. I'm very entertaining. This has been another episode of The Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3 Atlanta's only conservative talk station. You guys have a great balance of the weekend. We'll see you next time. The warm air, the sounds of baseball, it's got you thinking about hitting the road. And no matter where your adventures take you, Subaru of Gwinnett has a vehicle to get you there safely and in style. Like the 2024 Subaru Outback, sporting standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and up to 32 miles per gallon. Or the 2024 Subaru Forester, the SUV with a spacious and comfortable interior for everyone you want to bring along. Start your shopping online at SubaruofGwinnett.com, then come see us for a test drive on Satellite Boulevard in Duluth. 
a lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.